0: This is Past Perfect, CEU Medieval Radio's program on medieval and early modern history and culture, in association with Civil Radio FM 98. Hi, I'm Christopher Melka, and you're listening to Past Perfect, CEU Medieval Radio's show on medieval and early modern history and culture, in association with Civil Radio FM 98. Um, we are joined today by uh, Dr. Georgi Gerebi, uh, associate professor at a Central European University and former head of medieval studies. Uh, he is a historian of the late antique, of late antique and medieval philosophy and theology, um, who was previously taught at the University of Pech and also at um, ELTA in Budapest. So thank you very much for joining us today.
1: Uh, Thank you for the invitation. Uh, Greetings to the uh, listeners.
0: (laughs) Wonderful. Well, uh, let's talk philosophy. Um, It's something that I don't really have a lot of uh, familiarity with, uh, to be perfectly honest. And um, my question to you is, what is the sort of perception about the state of philosophy in the early Middle Ages? Is there sort of a Set idea that people uh, from this time to this time were believing X, Y, and Z.
1: Um,
0: well, it's not an easy
1: question to answer, but the uh, the answer is definitely no. <laughs> uh, the, uh, the explanation, the explanation is uh, uh, is longer. Okay. Um, uh, philosophy meant something uh, different in different ages, and uh, I'm. I'm since, since my sort of readings my, my my research uh extends from late antiquity to uh, yeah. uh basically to the end of the uh, uh, of the middle ages even in this period although it's a rather long, long period uh, 1500 years uh, uh, the yeah. um um the philosophical ideas uh methods um, um important issues uh, uh, on which people reflected uh, uh, the, uh, the language they used I mean it's changed a lot okay. uh, so there's is, there is nothing uh, like a sort of a unitary uh, <laughs> a medieval, medieval philosophy or even late antique philosophy
0: Did people really believe the earth was flat?
1: uh no, no, they didn't I mean say uh, uh, there are there are some there, there are some wonderful superstitions uh, uh concerning the middle ages i mean partly it was uh, it was dark It was so dark that people couldn't <laughs> see that the earth was round so um uh, neither neither of uh, 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 these superstitions are true of course the um uh, just a couple of years ago uh, in Paris, a former professor of mine uh, published a little book. On the cover of which he inserted a 12th century, um, a piece of a 12th century illustration uh, for for my manuscript. Um, which shows a face diagram uh, of a round earth, uh, two um, soldiers uh, uh, back to each other, stand on the North Pole, mm-hmm. and the face diagram shows how they walk along the, the round earth and meet face-to-face mm-hmm. face, um, uh, on the South Pole. Oh, cool. And uh, this was selected by him, as he told me, tongue-in-cheek, uh, uh, just to, you know, uh, uh, even even those who want to read the book can, can look at the um, um, uh, the illustration to show how absurd uh, this assumption, namely that the the, the uh, in the
0: Middle Ages people believed that the Earth was flat, uh, uh, is so. It, it's amazing how prevalent that notion is because I remember um, being in elementary school uh, in the U.S. and hearing about Christopher Columbus discovering the world was around and having this crazy, great idea, which is total nonsense nowadays. And you know, even you know in the um, in the, in, in the 15th century, obviously, most most learned people knew that the world was round. They didn't know. What they what they couldn't know at the time was this, you know, two gigantic continents in the middle between, you know, the Azores in the Atlantic and Japan uh, on the Pacific. Um, my question um, regarding this, though, is sort of... Where do these notions come from that this was a totally dark period that uh, just steeped in all the superstition? I mean, what's the sort of origin for all of that um, nishmash?
1: I think uh, it's largely due to the the, the complex developments uh, uh, which followed the uh, the Reformation period. Uh, so the uh, uh, the the Reformation uh, started as a as a kind of uh, um, religiously motivated rejection of the uh, philosophy and theology. These two things, probably we can talk about this later. Uh, Philosophy and theology Mm -hmm. uh, uh, belong together. They went hand in hand uh, uh, in this period. So it's a kind of rejection of the kind of theology which was pursued by the um, uh, uh, by the scholastics, uh, in, in modern parlance, we could call them the academic philosophers mm-hmm. of the of the period and uh, and that went hand in hand with the um, educational reform of the humanists uh, who switched from let 's say logic and metaphysics to ethics and history uh, and philology uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, rather so uh, the the discoveries of um, Historical awareness, uh, uh, the discovery of the possibility of being able to do um, philosophy and theology otherwise, plus of course the um, and the scientific revolution, um, these created the impression that that uh, the 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 Middle Ages was uh, dark as compared <laughs> to the Enlightenment. Ah, oh, okay. And uh, the 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 great um, um, popularizer. Of the idea of medieval stupidity was Edward Gibbon, uh, the towering historian uh, uh, of the eighteenth century, mm. and he really hated the Middle Ages uh, and um, Byzantium uh, uh, especially. Mm. And uh, since every learned man in Europe uh, used to read the Decline and Fall of the Roman Empire, right. the Decline and Fall, and what what what, what followed all this, uh, and and he he actually was aware that. A certain uh, Byzantine writer, Cosmas uh, Indicopleustes, uh, when he disc- he used a sentence in a particular context, which could be interpreted as if he thought the Earth was flat, and Gibbon capitalized on this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh there's a there was a nice monograph written about the origin of this idea okay. of the of the of the flat earth and that was uh popularized and and sort of uh, it was easy to believe right so if you don't like somebody then then you can attribute to this person any any stupidity uh, uh, uh you
0: wish i mean that's just i mean in in the renaissance we see that with terms applied to the architecture that rather than this you know fancy French work of the thirteenth and fourteenth century. It's called gothic because it's so barbaric and it is completely unlike the the, the, the Roman civilization which was then imitated again in the Italian Renaissance.
1: Exactly. So, so Gothic was born out of this, mm-hmm. and uh, and of course, I mean, uh, uh, people are more aware of this than how the humanists reacted to scholastic logic, okay. and uh, uh, they called the these uh, uh, this base British uh, uh, the Ultimi Britanni uh, uh, as the initiators of this um, horrible um, 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 exact logic, right? Uh, <laughs> so we should we should use rhetoric, beautiful. Flowering words instead of uh, um, uh, logical forms, and um, actually, these these um, possi these intellectual possibilities are not exhausted in that period. They survive right, from superstition yeah. to uh, <laughs> the preference of rhetoric over logic, even today. So. Uh,
0: getting back to um, something that we were talking about earlier, this um, th- this sort of um, melding of philosophy and theology. Um, Reading um what little I did of Saint Augustine, um, I know that it's very much a problem for him when he is on the process of converting to Catholicism where he is reading the um he is reading the Bible, but because he has these um he has read all of this um sort of uh, natural science work of the Greek ancient Greek philosophers, he has a hard time reconciling the two um initially at least. Um How is the sort of um i guess blending of the two traditions um apparent uh in your opinion
1: well um uh, this is another uh, uh, interesting uh, uh, issue that that our perception of of um, of of um, let's say medieval philosophy uh begins with the the great image of um, um, so how to put it in Darwinian terms, uh, as <laughs> St. Augustine climbing down from the tree. <laughs> uh, and uh, as, if, as if there hadn't been before right, right. 400 years uh, of, of, uh, of, uh, of Christian uh, uh, development on the one hand, uh, and on the other, as if theology had not been a favorite subject of Greek philosophers. Mm. So Aristotle uh, uh, distinguished um, between three theoretical sciences: one was mathematics, the other physics or natural philosophy, and the third was theology. Mm. Uh, so theology was a respectable subject uh, uh, for for all Greek uh, philosophers, Plato included. Uh, There's a theology in Plato. There's a theology in Aristotle. There was a theology of the Epicureans, of the Stoics. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, um, Cicero wrote copiously about theology. Um, uh, so uh, in in ancient Greece and then in the Hellenized Roman world, um, theology was a was a perfectly um, admissible um, um, area sure, uh, of for course, research, of course, uh, uh, for uh, and um, for the philosophers. And uh, what uh, what began with with Philo. Uh, um, he's the is the he's the first one where we have uh, sufficient evidence for uh, uh, for this but may have started before him was the incorporation of biblical theological ideas into Hellenistic uh, 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 into Hellenistic context or Hellenistic philosophical theology uh, and this is where um, um, Philo was a Jewish thinker uh, in Alexandria mm-hmm. roughly a contemporary of Jesus and um, and uh, and what what followed afterwards uh, was when the the Christians were originally um, um, a branch of Judaism, so to say, and then of course I mean they, they shaped their own theological identity. but uh, in in many respects they were continuators of Philo, uh, which uh, which can be uh, seen from the fact that Philo's manuscripts were uh, preserved in uh, Christian monasteries. So he's a kind of uh, um, um, uh, kind of church father. <laughs> starting um, point. Yes, yes, mm-hmm. a kind of uh, kind of starting point. Um, some historians of medieval philosophy even think that uh, it was with Philo uh, where uh, medieval philosophy really began, uh, because that the, the the medieval philosophy, if you want a general characterization, is a kind of um, um, uh, uh, incorporation of the biblical concepts. Into uh, uh, a, um, a sort of Greek philosophical um, uh, uh, language and analytic uh, methodology, and that lasted. Um, um, H. A. Wolfson uh, uh, was the sort of uh, the, uh, the great protagonist of, of, of this idea. Uh, lasted until Spinoza and uh, th- with uh, the arrival of modern biblical criticism and mm-hmm. uh, and uh, uh, the modern notions of history uh, that came uh, uh, to an end in his opinion but um, um, some people criticize him of course but uh, uh, there is a grain of truth uh, in, in uh, what Wilson uh, uh, does. So at uh, the, uh, uh, the end of, of this short introduction is that that uh, theology was part and parcel of of philosophy,
0: okay. there were very difficult issues to tackle. Definitely, definitely, good, good, good. Um, very reasonable sort of way of looking at it. And um, one other thing that I, I wanted to ask you um, for the for the medieval period, um, let's say roughly five hundred to fifteen hundred, are there are there any sort of favorite? Classical authors in this period, are there, there? Are any that seem to be more trendy than others, uh, in your opinion? Well,
1: uh, I mean, first of all, when we speak about the uh, this period from this thousand years, yes, I mean, this <laughs> millennium a from, from five hundred <laughs> to to, uh, 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 to fifteen hundred, um, there were uh, some towering figures, but uh, we have to realize that the. Um, uh, when we speak about scholastic, uh, uh, medieval philosophy, we primarily mean scholastic philosophy, and this means the philosophy of the Latin West, uh, right. uh, written largely in Latin. Um, and this period, uh, you know, it's a, it's a sort of delicate issue of periodization, but it roughly begins in the 11th century. And lasts till the fifteenth. Mm-hmm. So actually, we are halving uh, the the, okay. uh, uh, the story. Fair enough. Plus, we would add, We would have to add, uh, apart from the uh, the previous five hundred years, um, the branch which uh, was written in Greek in Byzantium. Sure, sure, sure. Because um, uh, uh, medieval philosophy was very well represented in Byzantium as well, and of course there was the Arab world, uh, mm. which was the uh, the great uh, um, heir. Of, of Greek learning as well via Syriac Christian translations. Um, so we can basically speak about a Mediterranean realm of of medieval philosophy mm-hmm. uh, written largely in four languages, um, Greek, uh, Arabic, Hebrew, to uh, some extent in Syriac, and, and then in Latin. Mm-hmm. Now, Latin came to dominance because that developed... Uh, uh, Primarily in the institutional sense, Uh, in the Latin West, they developed the universities, which are centers of learning, uh, created a a huge class of educated people um, um, in this particular area. Uh, So they became the most famous. But uh, medieval philosophy is a larger area than just uh, the Latin Latin West.
0: Definitely. Um, If you don't mind, we are going to take a short break now, um, and we'll be back in just a minute. Welcome back. Uh, I'm Christopher Melke. You're listening to Past Perfect, uh, CU Medieval Radio's uh, show on uh, medieval and early modern history and culture in affiliation with uh, Civil Radio FM 98. I'm here with uh, Professor Juri Gerebi. Thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you. Um, As a follow-up to um, the discussion that we had uh, before the um, break um, where you were talking about this um, very uh, diverse patchwork of um, theological tradition centering around the Mediterranean. Um, I get the understanding that, there's a, there, that there is contact between um, these uh, differing regions. Um, how much contact is going on, uh, would you say?
1: Well, uh, there were a lot of contacts. Um, Primarily uh, because of um, uh, the uh, these different realms, that is, uh, uh, the, the Latin West, Byzantium, the Arabic uh, around, the Arabic round, which included the uh, uh, Jewish philosophy uh, um, and uh, and Syriac, as I mentioned, um, uh, these realms were all heirs to late antique education, and the the late antique education was largely based on uh, Aristotle. Uh, and um, uh, and Plato. Now, uh, Plato uh, was a more difficult uh, figure and a more difficult author to deal with than Aristotle because Plato had a lot of theological ideas. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, uh, uh, when you are a Muslim or when you are a Christian or when you are a Jew, then you don't want to learn theology from Plato. Right. Uh, so you, uh, you learn theology from your own, uh, from your own sacred books. Uh, however, if you want to learn logic or you want to learn science, then you turn to the... Uh, um, Non-partisan, non-theological authors I see. Uh, like um, like Aristotle, um, uh, or uh, in the case of um, of natural philosophy, psychology, um, um, or, um, or 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 logic, as I said, uh, or if you wanted to to learn mathematics, you turn to Euclid. Yes. Uh, if uh, you wanted to learn astronomy, uh, 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 you turned to Ptolemy. Um, uh, in medicine, to Galen, and so on. Now, these were the authors which were translated into all these languages. Mm. Um, so, uh, well, not, uh, of course, uh, uh, not the complete uh, uh, works, um, the, the special history of which works were translated and when and how and what was the motivation I behind see. that and so mm-hmm. on. But roughly speaking, uh, you can um, speak about a a, a common inheritance uh, in all these um, uh, philosophical um, schools or philosophical cultures, if you wish. And uh, then, of course, there was a lot of creativity uh, within these uh, uh, schools uh, or, or philosophical cultures, and they got translated and imitated by other cultures. So this is how the, um, the Latins I- uh, imitated the Arabs the Arabs wanted to imitate the Greeks, uh, so uh, that that was a um, sort of um, a a um, um, a world uh, of, of buzzing relationships, right? <laughs> uh, and uh, especially uh, in the Near East, especially the um, the hospitals uh, where educated doctors uh, met uh, all denominations uh, and exchanged ideas, translated uh, uh, various books, and. Um, in addition to what I said about uh, the scientific works, they did translate and create a kind of uh, philosophical, theological um, um, set of works which uh, were, how to put it, um, um, uh, non-committal. Uh, Plotinus was, for example, a, a, a late 3rd um, century uh um, helene that is pagan uh, uh, philosopher but uh, since his theology was uh, could be applied to any uh, monotheistic religion therefore a kind of uh, um, summary of his views was produced somewhere in the near east so it was from greek probably via Syriac or or p- probably um, uh, we, we don't know the author mm-hmm. it was it was it can be that he was a uh, Muslim. Uh, the text we are talking about is the Liber de Causes, which is often translated um, uh, by his original, original, uh, uh, presumably original title, uh, On the Supreme Good. And uh, that uh, was based on a Greek author, uh, Plotinus, created in a Jewish-Arabic context, then uh, translated from Arabic via Catalonian into Latin just in order to get translated into Hebrew in Italy in the 15th century. (laughs) So it went full circle, uh, and the translations were all reasonably understandable. They remained understandable because the people knew, uh, since they were educated with the same conceptual framework, they knew what was in the text, so to say, before they translated it.
0: How very interesting
1: so uh, this uh, these translations show that uh, the 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 readers were prepared to receive uh, uh, the um, uh, the texts from coming from Arabic into Latin because they're, um, uh, they they were able to read it so to say they knew what was it about right and therefore uh, uh, i mean if you if you start to um, Avery, most of Averroes' works survive only in Latin. Uh, the medieval Latin translations are so uh, literal, word for word, that they are hardly comprehensible <laughs> at all. Now, if you know what Averroes wrote about, then you can figure out right. what that incomprehensible Latin text contains. <laughs> So, uh, 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 people who, who are honest, I mean, should should confess that, that mm-hmm. it's really an abstruse, incomprehensible garbage. <laughs> uh, yeah, if you if you want to approach it with classical with a classical Latin learning, whatever excellent Latin learning you've got, you have to know what the text is about, and then you will understand what those extremely difficult sentences uh, 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 mean. So yeah. uh, so th- th- this is how Aristotle became a kind of shared inheritance uh, for, for everybody in the Mediterranean uh, uh, region in the sense, not as if Aristotle – I mean, he was called the philosopher. Mm-hmm. But he was called the philosopher because he produced the best textbooks. I see. So it was not the person of Aristotle which uh, uh, sort of commanded this sort of enormous authority. It was the texts he wrote. Which contained the best introduction to rational psychology, to to the movement of the heavens, to uh, philosophical principles, metaphysics, to logic, uh, which was available on the market. Hmm. When later better textbooks were produced, then they replaced the Aristotelian uh, 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 texts, which which happened uh,
0: in uh, in many areas. Right. Right. Um, Okay. going we've we've been talking a bit about the uh sort of classical traditions behind these um philosophy and theology um what about the Bible and religious texts in general um would you mind saying a, a little bit about sort of the the presence of these religious texts in a lot of these um what would have then been contemporary writings? Right, um,
1: so uh, th- as I said this uh, this period um, is um, can be characterized as a kind of um, natural um, um, joining of of sort of natural reason uh, uh, with revealed uh, 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 truth. Now revealed truth is the word of God as contained in the Bible. Mm-hmm. natural reason, as they called uh, sometimes as unaided reason. Uh, namely, uh, human reason, what human reason can discover on its own, and the the task was how to draw the line and this is an interesting methodological problem how to draw the line how far can unaided uh, h- human reason go, and where will uh, the realm of uh, revelation begin um, um, for example, one can know that the earth is round just by observations, um, uh, for example, that uh, the the, the, um, uh, the mast of a ship uh, can be seen first on the horizon mm-hmm. and the ship only afterwards. Uh, so that was one of the arguments of Aristotle for the sphericity uh, 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 of the earth. He, hmm. he listed 18 arguments. So <laughs> since Aristotle, it was well known. Uh, also, it was also known for Plato, right. uh, just to return to our previous <laughs> subject. Now, anyway, that can be known by unaided human reason. Uh, uh so human mind on its own can discover a lot of things about um about the world about the the cosmos now that that god uh, um, uh, is uh, behind the um the exodus from egypt uh, uh or that uh, that god is trinity in the in the christian context that cannot be discovered by human reason that is not something which people on their own would sit down and figure out right. by uh, a judicious uh, um, a judgment on um, um, repeated observations right? <laughs> So uh, that's, that's not possible to attain by human reason at all um, uh, on its own now the question was, I mean these are two extremes I mentioned sure. uh, of course there are lots of um, ethical questions for example that uh, uh, one shouldn't steal uh, uh, it's part of the 10 commandments now uh, uh, is it part of uh the, the that kind of ethical um, realm which can be established by human reason or does it require a kind of external uh, um, um, injunction uh, from god uh, in order to uh, 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 to fulfill the uh, the requirement so let's say uh, uh, there there are the extreme uh, areas and there is a, a wide uh, berth in between uh, where you can sort of single uh, 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 try to sort out where to put your uh, 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 your your uh, your vote i mean is it uh, can you establish this by human reason or you, or you can 't so this is a kind of general uh, yeah. uh, issue mm-hmm. and and that was um, um, and, and, and extremely interesting issues uh, came uh, uh, out of this. So, for example, the Islamic occasionalism, uh, which uh, relied on, well, which we started with the idea that Allah is responsible for everything, uh, even for the continuity of the material world. So uh, 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 this means that there, things do not have an independent existence on their own. Mm-hmm. They always depend on the creative uh, uh, power of, of, of God. I mean, I'm simplifying now the, right. <laughs> the, uh, the, uh, the story, of course. But uh, it is something like from between two moments in time, uh, things can be annihilated and then recreated again uh, uh, by the omnipotence of God. And that would become a very important issue, not just for Muslims, for Christians, uh, uh, namely, how far does the omnipotence of God extend? And is there a kind of independent, autonomous realm of creation? Once God created the world, does he give the created realm some independence as opposed to him? Or does it always depend on the creative uh, uh, power of God? So, uh, uh,
0: there are lots of things to, to be discussed. Yeah, a lot of it sounds like, to, to me, a um, lot, lot of precursors to this. Very Calvinistic questions of predestination, almost. Um, so very interesting issues. but actually, the
1: Calvinistic idea of predestination uh, dates back to a big debate in the uh, towards the end of the fourth, beginning of the fifth century, um, uh, between Augustine and a um, uh, and and another um, lesser, less well-known uh, uh, theologian, Pelagius. Um, mm. And the Pelagian controversy, uh, which was about the, um, the capacity of humans to contribute towards their own salvation, whether good works depend on uh, someone's will mm-hmm. or is that will already a, a um, something which is motivated by the grace of God.
0: An interesting question, isn't Definitely. it? It would <laughs> be easy to answer it just in one sitting. Um. No, no, no. We'd need a lot more radio shows to do that. <laughs> um, for uh, for now, though, uh, we are going to take a break. Uh, please enjoy the music, and we will be back in a moment. Hi, I'm Christopher Melke, and we're he- we're here with uh, Past Perfect, CEU Medieval Radio's show in affiliation with Civil Radio FM 98. I'm joined uh, by Professor uh, Yuri Garebi on uh, issues of uh, philosophy and theology. Thank you for uh, joining us today. Thank you. Uh, So one thing that I wanted to steer the direction of the conversation to now was issues of conflict. We uh, all sorts of interesting, well, most of the religious debates that you see on the news uh, or on television nowadays are all about, you know, Various sorts of, um, you know, conflicts regarding, you know, the most minute matters, whether it's, um, you know, something that's hot topic or whether it's a blogger saying that we shouldn't eat lobster because shellfish is an abomination. Personally, I think it's delicious. Um, And even, you know, all sorts of various claims about Jesus's nationalities. So, um would you mind talking about conflict um how that's seen um in 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 this period
1: well uh, uh, there was a, a tremendous lot of conflicts um, sure sure um, sure in, in the uh, in this period and um uh it's a uh, a separate field in fact to uh, uh to 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 sort of understand uh to research the um Uh, the conflicts within early Christianity Uh, here we are uh, sort of disengaging a little bit with philosophy now we are moving over to theology uh, (laughs) uh, proper Um, uh, uh, that uh, in in theology uh, one is uh, prone to to, uh, uh, sort of distinguish between the first period of Christianity before the uh, first council of Nicaea Mm -hmm. uh, 325 um, before Christianity uh, became uh, well it's not the period when it became official religion, but it was on the verge to become it was became a tolerated it was religion. legitimized. Yeah, uh, uh, legitimized. Uh, it was under Theodosius the Great uh, uh, in three hundred eighties that uh, uh, Christianity became the official uh, religion of the of the Roman Empire. Now, uh, before that, there were or there had been very serious conflicts within uh, within Christianity. Uh, but it was not about the uh, not so much about the the nationality of of, <laughs> of of Jesus, which is a which is a very modern uh, <laughs> uh, uh, subject because uh, it's. Second, a kind of expression of of uh, uh, national superiority feeling right. that you know we are the greatest because even Jesus comes from us. Right. Uh, you know, Hungarians are Persians, and Jesus must be a Persian prince. So, uh, so that's that's uh, that that would have been uh, uh, ludicrous uh, right. uh, in, in 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 that period. Well, however, however, in uh, so there, there was no question. Um, uh, among uh, the representatives of the great church that, uh, uh, that Jesus descended. I mean, if you believe the scriptures, mm-hmm. uh, then he's a descendant of David. and right. David is Jewish. So uh, uh, he belongs to, uh, 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 to, the, um, uh, to the nation of Israel. Um, now, that becomes a very intricate issue. Uh, who is the nation of Israel? <laughs> sure. Because the church uh, claims to be the true Israel. Um, afterwards, but um, but uh, let's let's leave it at that for sure. the uh, <laughs> uh, uh, for the moment. However, there was an alternative in the second century, namely that Jesus doesn't really have a nationality at all, because he is the son of the uh, 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 or the messenger of the supreme unknown God, uh, uh, and was sent to humanity in order to wake them up from their slumber, uh, uh, because they are. Uh, incarcerated in their bodies and they, their souls should be woken up and directed back uh, uh, to their heavenly homeland. Hmm. Uh, and the uh, the representative which um, some of them belong to the so-called Gnostics okay, uh, and yeah. especially this was the, the, uh, the name which we associate with this movement is Marchion who nearly became uh, the Bishop of Rome uh, in the mid 2nd uh, century and he detached Christianity from its Jewish origins altogether. Oh wow! So uh, he denied that the the God of the Old Testament had to do anything with the Father of Jesus Christ. Now that was a big debate, uh, and in the end, uh, the uh, 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 the Great Church, or uh, you can call in 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 those days, we can't probably really speak about Catholic Church rather the orthodox church uh, in the uh, in the white sense uh, not in the modern sense but in the white sense of the uh, 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 of the word um, so the um, in in uh, in the little it's usually called the great church so uh, so the great church decided univocally for the uh, uh, for the jewish descent uh, uh, of christ and the identity of uh, the god of the new testament and the old testament okay but uh, this was just one of the possible uh, uh, debates. There were, there were raging debates about uh, the uh, the proper day of the Easter, whether um, uh, the Easter can coincide with the Jewish Easter or not. And not because it was anti-Jewish, uh, uh, or uh, but because uh, their understanding of the new. Covenant mm-hmm. implied a new way of celebrating uh, the uh, liturgical year right to, uh, uh, to put it simply
0: mm-hmm.
1: so so a new theology re- required a new liturgy and the, the, the new liturgy uh, uh, preserved a lot of elements of the old liturgy. Uh, uh, which uh, w- was uh, as described in the Old Testament and then uh, 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 became the basis of the later rabbinic um, uh, 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 Jewish liturgy. But even today, there are, uh, one can detect the, uh, the common elements. Um, however, uh, a new liturgy had to be, and a new liturgical year, a new festal cycle uh, had to be designed. So it's a kind of shaping your own identity. Uh, and then, what does this identity uh, 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 consist in? What are the important issues? And then came the Trinitological debate, the Council of Nicaea,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, the divinity of Christ, and then later on uh, the uh, the two natures of Christ. Uh, and of course, the uh, um, and it's an interesting thing to observe that the the so-called heresies and um, heresy originally meant school. Or, okay. Uh, or uh, uh, heresies were basically theological schools, theological directions, um, and um, uh, but but those which separated themselves from the main church, from, the, from the great church, so the uh, the theological schools survived, and the Arians who denied the divinity of Christ, uh, they survived. Um, the the various Gnostic sects uh, survived, um, and um, and continued even during the the Middle Ages. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's uh, the Qatars uh, are probably best known as a kind of late offshoot of the, uh, the Gnostic sects, um, and um, and the Bogomils and uh, and all these uh, interesting medieval um, um, movements and and uh, 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 specific theological groups. Uh, so there was a lot of conflict within Christianity, and then of course came. Is, uh, came Islam mm-hmm. and uh, Islam was originally considered as a kind of radical Aryan heresy as a Christian heresy uh, and of course there was a lot of conflict with the um, the ancestors of Christianity that is the Jews right um, and the then the conflicts with the um, um, with the Gentiles uh, who uh, were Supposed to be converted mm-hmm. uh, uh, to Christianity, so yes I mean conflicts there were uh, and and uh, and 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 of course, even within the great church, there were huge debates about let's say for example the uh, the so called beatific vision, um, namely what happens uh, um, to the uh, uh to the saints uh after the separation of their souls from their bodies mm. do they immediately see uh, uh, god or do they have to wait until the last judgment until the resurrection mm. that was uh, a, a huge debate in uh, 30 and 30 between 31 and 36 so uh, uh and and this is where the the idea of the heretical pope came up because the initiator of the um, of the debate was uh, Pope John the Twenty Second, who resided in Avignon. Uh, that was the, the Avignon period okay. of the of the Church, and uh, and uh, he was uh, um, in great conflict with the uh, radical Franciscans and the radical Franciscans, among them uh, William Ockham, uh, 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 who who fled to the court of Louis the Bavarian. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, he considered himself as a representative of orthodoxy against the heretical Pope, because the Pope held a different view on uh, uh, on the issue of the beatific vision.
0: So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, conflicts there were. Definitely. Getting back to something you said earlier, I know that in the Crusade period, the, I'm, I'm more familiar with the later Middle Ages, but in the Crusade period, a lot of these uh, Western, Frankish, Latin sources refer to the um, Muslims and the, 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 the members of the Arab world as pagans. But something you said earlier, you said that originally it was thought to be an offshoot of uh, sort of this Aryan heresy. Um, how does that sort of change? Well, uh, that has to do uh, uh,
1: uh, with the fact that the first reaction uh, to Islam came from Syrian theologians mm-hmm. uh, like uh, uh, John of Damascus, um, uh, 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 who was um, uh, uh, who wrote on the on the Orthodox faith, the fide orthodoxa, and so he knew uh, yeah. firsthand uh, uh, what um, uh, uh, what Islamic theology uh, uh, was about. Okay. And he wrote in Greek, so he he belonged to the Byzantine Empire. I see. Uh, now the West knew much less uh, in theological. Uh, terms about Islam I mean certainly the military conflicts existed on the Iberian Peninsula and elsewhere uh, the um, in Italy uh, 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 or, or otherwise the um, um, the problem was that the the idea that they were unbelievers uh, and in that sense they were Gentiles I see right uh-huh. like from the point of view of Islam uh, a Christian who is from the Islamic point of view a um um, a religion of the book as they call it because it's an Islamic term right um, so yeah, the, the Christians are also called unbelievers because they don't believe in exactly what what we believe in right, right? right. so so the unbeliever that that's rather it's better uh, they, they are not pagans I see. as uh, as rather unbelievers
0: I see and um
1: but of course, I mean, a, uh, in, in popular imagination, uh, there's a lot of room for for the, you know the most <laughs>
0: varied um, um, charges. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, one, um, getting back to conflicts related to the Council of Nicaea, um, I know that the um, the selection of the books of the bio- that, that were meant to be included in this sort of um, orthodox collection of texts was. Um, a bit of a rancorous issue um how do they go about selecting uh which book should be included uh, in there? well it's an exceedingly difficult
1: uh, uh, question <laughs> so uh, the um um i mean v uh, 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 sort of presently uh, uh, think of the bible as as you know one big book right right, right. and uh, <laughs> it's difficult to 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 realize that uh, that the Bible was never really uh, 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 had not existed in this format. Mm-hmm. I mean, the the, uh, the Bible uh, we use it as a as a noun in singular, mm-hmm. but in fact it's in plural. It many means box. books, <laughs> <Yeah>. many books, <laughs> uh, many books. And um, and when we speak about the Bible, we have to go back to the uh, uh, to the idea of of um, what. Well, what the, what the original Bible well the original Bible we know precious little about because the uh, the earliest manuscripts we have got are the um, the um, the Dead Sea uh, the Qumran um, uh, 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 manuscripts All right um, but uh, before the discovery of the of the Qumran manuscripts the Greek uh, the manuscripts of the Greek translations of the of the Old Testament, well unto date, the about six hundred years, the first Hebrew manuscript, the oldest Hebrew manuscripts. So it's a it's a very complicated issue, which I think is probably best visualized as uh, the center, as a, as, a, as a kind of um, set of concentric circles. Uh, in the center of which uh, uh, there was originally the five books of Moses, the so called mm-hmm. the Pentateuch. Uh, the Pentateuch, the five books, because that contains the Torah, uh, uh, the law, and then uh, the second circle is the um, is the books of the the books always in plural. I mean, because the five books of Moses, right? right? right, right. So uh, uh, this is not one book of Moses. There are mm-hmm. five books. So the center is the five books, and then we've got the um, the prophets, uh, 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 the Nevim, and then the the various writings. Mm-hmm. historical writings the song of songs the um uh, the third the,
0: circle the history of the kings of
1: the uh, the, uh, the, uh, the kings of Israel um and uh, and the and the various um uh, uh, little st- stories the stories of Susanna or Ruth right. or uh, yeah. right and then um the and then the edge uh, of the third circle becomes fuzzy um mm-hmm. and then there are all sorts of sort of bible styled or biblical type books uh which we often call the apocrypha mm-hmm. um, uh, and the uh, and the apocrypha uh which constitute a kind of biblical literature uh which all take reference to the center uh but their th- their authority is is diminished because they're very far from the center mm-hmm. right so, uh, so this is why uh, the, the if you start from the center, the authority of the books diminish. So the highest authority is that of the law, right. uh, the five books, Moses, and then, the, then the, uh, uh, the prophets, and then the scrolls. And this is why the Old Testament, which from, Christian, from the Christian point of view is called the Old Testament, is in fact the Tanakh, uh, which is a mosaic word uh, uh, from uh, the Torah, uh, the Nebim, and the Ketubim. Right. Okay. So uh, the Ketuvim being the the scrolls. Right. 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 So so this is what even the early Christians called the Bible, and to which came the New Testament, which also has its core, the, the four uh, the Gospels. Although it's it's very very difficult uh, uh, issue um, uh, whether there was one Gospel in the beginning or there were uh, sort of many schools uh, Christian schools writing their own uh, uh, Gospels. Um, as uh, as you know, I mean, uh, uh, the the um, uh, for example, Luke uh, is not a a, a a direct disciple. He's not a um, uh, uh, a direct witness. He's a disciple of Saint Paul. So, and Saint Paul himself did not belong to the to the twelve. Right. Right. Uh, 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 so, I mean, uh, you can you can see that the uh, it's a it's a very interesting issue. It's, you know, it's an, it's not a first hand account right right uh, it's a summary of what had been the teaching of a particular Christian group um, so but uh, remaining with the analogy there is the center mm-hmm. the core the four Gospels then you've got the uh, uh, the historical book which is the acts of the Apostles mm-hmm. and then you've got the sort of the prophetic writings uh, uh, the uh, uh, Saint Paul and then uh, at the end you've got this strange book of the apocalypse
0: yes the revelations Uh,
1: the book of revelations which uh, was accepted in the latin west uh, into the canon much earlier than in the east in the east it was accepted only in the 6th century And, and even then it never made into the liturgical use so it's part of the of the Greek Bible the, the Greek New Testament mm-hmm. um, or the Byzantine New Testament to, uh, 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 to say it more precisely but um, its text was not read uh, in the uh, uh, in the literature so there is a kind of dubious status a slightly dubious status of the uh, uh, of the apocalypse so you can, right. you can see it's the, the the Bible is not one. one thing. It's a it's a it's a sequence of of uh, uh of, of of books of sort of um changing uh, uh authority, uh, so to say. So it's the kind of um approach which which became prevalent in, in the Latin West mm-hmm. after the Reformation period, the sola scriptura, right? Every word of the uh, uh, uh of the text counts right. on equal that's not historically uh, uh the the
0: case Fa- very very interesting we will take a very short break and then uh be back for the concluding segment momentarily hello there i'm christopher Melke here with ceu medieval radio's program past perfect in affiliation with fm98 uh joined today by uh professor juri garebi Thank you for being here. Uh, we've had a very, very interesting talk about philosophy, theology, all sorts of various uh, swirling issues uh, going around for the past uh, 200, 2,000 years and beyond, I'd say. Um, I suppose one final question that I'd like to ask you, in terms of the sort of research that you're doing on these developments, are there any clear directions in the future, that, for the sort of research that you'd like to do or any sort of uh, inroads that you um, think uh, need to be made in this regard? Well, uh, my,
1: my personal interest um, lies precisely in this um, interrelationship between philosophy and theology, mm-hmm. um, how... How theology motivated philosophical questions. How philosophical methods uh, partly helped, partly constrained um, theological speculations. And uh, what I'd like to uh, do more about is the the change of of uh, the philosophical theological uh, language over uh, uh, over this huge uh, time span of uh, of, of the fifteen hundred years, so uh, this is why i 'm sort of moving a little bit back and forth uh, so i 'm working now on on a on an orthodox apocryphon. Mm-hmm. Um, of the second century and then uh, uh, worked a little bit and on, on the beatific vision debate in the 14th century and some of part of the Byzantine Byzantine debate in the um, uh, the mid-14th century again uh, 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 the so-called Hisikos debate which is an arcane very arcane subject <laughs> so um, but I'm happy to talk about it but
0: um, well no I think th- I think it's interesting to hear sort of these translation issues. Going back to um, the first segment where you were you were um, telling me about the uh, the translations being very close, whether they started uh, for for that one text, whether it started at one place, then went to Syria, then went to Byzantium, then went to the West, then went back to where it came from. I think that where uh, whereas other texts, the translations are very bulky and. Uh, difficult to read. I I think that the sort of linguistic aspects of it are very important.
1: Um, um, absolutely, but but that's a uh, uh, that's a discipline uh, uh, for its own. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, last year we had um, uh, uh, this colleague from from, from Tel Aviv, uh, uh, Professor Yosef Schwartz. I mean, he's a he's an expert on this cultural transmission. I mean, he uh, uh, sort of handles all the uh, difficult languages, mm-hmm. and the <laughs> Arabic and uh, uh, and Hebrew, of course, and uh, Latin and uh, uh, and Greek. So uh, so that that transmission. Issue is is very interesting on its own. Mm-hmm. Um, however, you have to distinguish here because uh, every every text had its own life story, so mm-hmm. to say, um, uh, which was translated into which language by whom, when, where, what how was many the copies? How many copies? How did? Uh, who were the readers? Um, uh, who st- who who studied? Commented on it and so on. Now, this is a, this is a very uh, uh, interesting issue. Um, another interesting issue is that uh, if you uh, look into other areas of translations, namely theological translations. Uh-huh. Um, because, uh, as you may know, the, um, uh, the separation between the Eastern and the Western realm of the Roman Empire... Uh, the the eastern realm where the Roman Empire did not collapse but continued um, up until the fall of Byzantium uh, that th- 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 this is what we call the Byzantine Commonwealth um, and uh, and there the language remained Greek in the west the dominant language uh, uh, was Latin and there was relatively little knowledge of uh, uh, of Greek. Um, and in the Byzantine realm, uh, the Byzantines were not particularly interested in the in the frankish theology which they considered more or less barbarian <laughs> um, already in the uh, uh, in the third and fourth centuries the greek the advanced Greek theologians i mean they were the most you know, the Greek is a very sophisticated uh, 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 language um, uh, it 's like um you know the uh, uh, what we always uh, uh, sort of experience in Hungarian when we compare Hungarian vocabulary to, br- to English vocabulary. <laughs> right? it's, it's a huge. Uh, uh, um, um Difference in subtlety and, and uh, um, conceptual precision and uh, and and the like. So mm-hmm. uh, the Greeks complained about the thickness <laughs> and uh, uh, of the of the Latin language, which can't uh, can't express the uh, uh, the sophisticated uh, theological ideas they developed in the <laughs> East. So so the Byzantine looked down a little right. bit uh, uh, <laughs> uh, 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 on Latin, and uh, and the Latins always um, uh, sort of compared themselves to the Greeks so uh, uh, in the beginning, with awe, and then later on uh, uh, they said that uh, you know we are not Greeks, we, mm-hmm. we know better <laughs> um, the uh, the Greeks are stupid I mean they they always argue uh, the 13th century text about this that the, that the Greeks can't listen to to reasoning right uh, which is the sort of the self confidence of the Dominican theologian educated in Paris uh, and uh, these Greeks are just uh, cite uh, the decisions of councils and they are so legalistic and they don't understand philosophy so uh, <laughs> another another area of conflict definitely uh, <laughs> uh, of uh, between the Byzantines and the Latins so. Uh, uh, so the uh, so the issue is that um, uh, the uh, the uh, the Latin um, um, realm and the and the Greek realm um, uh, developed differently, and there was relatively little translation uh, work going on between the uh, the leading uh, uh, theological
0: texts. Very interesting. On that note, I think uh, we will end uh, this broadcast. Uh, thank you very much for joining us today. Um, thank you for the invitation. If you wish, you can visit uh, CEU Medieval Radio at medievalstudies.ceu.hu slash radio or send us an email at medievalradio at ceu.hu and be sure to visit us on Facebook. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you.